Agotavach, uh, welcome to the Motzi Shabbos edition of 30 Letters in 30 Days. Um, today was Shabbos Agodol, Shabbos before Pesach, and also the Shabbos before Yod Aleph Nissen. Please remember the big event, which will be Monday night. The spaces have all filled up for the women's Fabrengen near the oil Monday night. There were only 100 spots. Those are all RSVP'd and taken. But everyone is free to join us on the live stream and uh, join us for the 30th letter, the last letter of this series, of this Hachona for Yud Aleph Nissen. Okay, tonight's letter is a short letter, very short letter. Um, And a powerful letter. It's not 100% clear to me from the letter who this person is, you know, what kind of, uh, what kind of a person they are, what their background is, um, what kind of issues they're going through. There's just not a lot of detail that I can pick up on to put together that kind of uh, clear picture. But... Uh, Nevertheless, it is a very powerful message, which I think we can all apply to ourselves. Teeny teeny, tiny letter, really just one page here in our booklet. Okay. Baruch Hashem Beis Adar Tavshin Tezvav, Brooklyn Shalom Avracha. This is the second day of the month of Adar, 5715. Greetings and blessings. Again, that that means that the Rebbe is writing to a man. And that's pretty much all I can tell about this person that it's a man who's been through some stuff like all of us have been through some stuff. So, and that, that's about all I can tell. Okay. Bevadai nisheres etzlei hatokas hamichtovim shekei Certainly, and I've told you this before, that my theory is when the Rebbe says something is certain or obvious or needs no explanation, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is already obvious and needs no explanation to us, but that the Rebbe is training us how to think that certain things should be axiomatic. They should just go without saying, and if they don't yet go without saying, we should start changing the way we think so that these things become a given in our lives. So the Rebbe says, it is certain that you have copies of the letters that you sent me. Now, I'm not one to give instructions far far be it from me um but it's interesting to me that the Rebbe said it's such an obvious thing that you must have retained a copy of the letter that you sent to him now most i, I want to be honest with you in my life well, i don't it's not like a confession i don't think there's anything so personal about this but uh i'll be honest i'm going to tell you something really really honest uh most of my communication, this is what I was about to confess to you, most of the communication that I do is electronic communication, is email or text. Um, I don't write letters very often. Uh, I think last time I wrote a letter, probably with like thank you cards for my wedding gifts after I got married 22 years ago. So, no, I might have written letters after that. But um, yeah, so when we send emails it automatically retains a copy of our letter that we wrote. 
and we can look back on it for reference. What's interesting, though, is I guess um, there's the idea of retaining an office copy, a personal copy of a letter that you send out. Now, the entire reason that we have the egress, and someone asked this, I, we got a question submitted a few weeks ago asking about this, and I didn't answer it because uh, I didn't have time to go back to it because it was already actually answered in one of the early classes. I don't remember which one of the classes, but it was one of our early classes, one of our first classes where I explained that these letters were archived by the secretariat. They were the office copies of the Rebbe's correspondences, which were were retained by the secretariat and then filed away um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a safe place where the only access was one of the secretaries, uh, specifically Rabbi Simpson. That was that was part of his uh, his job to file away those letters. So the the Rebbe retained on his end a copy of all the letters that he sent out. So the Rebbe is saying uh, to this person, certainly you also retained a copy. I don't know if this is an instruction to us. I don't know if, if we should even take it as an instruction. But it occurred to me that yeah, when I'm emailing, I always have a copy of my own email that I wrote. That's just the way email works. But when I write letters, that doesn't happen. Maybe I should start doing that. Just a thought. Okay. At any rate, so the Rebbe says here, surely you have a copy, your own copy of the letters that you sent me. Ubemela, and consequently, therefore, Yashve es hakosuv b'michtov of horashenim, hapizer hanefesh v'hadaige me'inyan, dot, 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 so therefore, you could go compare the earlier letters that you wrote to me and the pizur hanefesh, that literally means the scattering of the soul. It means anxiety or an, an inability to feel emotionally settled and, and the worry that you had about, and the Rebbe says, dot, 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 which means it was about a specific thing, that the person was worried about a specific issue. And I don't know what the specific issue was, although in general there are three categories in life that we need blessing for, and uh, those are body chaimizayna, that's children, <clears throat> literally to translate it means children, health, and sustenance, or maybe more practically you could call it family issues, uh, health issues, and money issues. So if I had to guess, the person had some type of issue in one of those three categories, <laughs> which basically means a human problem. You know, we all have human problems. Or possibly, again, I don't really know from the context of this letter, it could have been, it's actually possible, there are some people who worry about these things, uh, it could have been a spiritual issue. Maybe the person was concerned about something that they felt they needed to do teshuva for, or <clears throat> some some type of uh, spiritual guilt that they were harboring. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. At any rate, the Rebbe, the Rebbe says that go back and look at the copies that you retained of the letters that you sent me, and go look at the tone of your letters, and look at how anxious you were and how worried you were. Okay, and you know when they you know they sell those like uh, diets, 
and have the before and after pictures, right? Okay. So the Rebbe says here, do a before and after picture. Go look at the letters that you wrote to me back when you were all, all worried about this particular concept, which we don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it was clearly something that was weighing heavily on the heart of the letter writer. Go look at those letters. Look at them sort of as a, as a snapshot in time of where you were emotionally when you wrote those letters. And compare them to where you're at right now. Before and after photo, snapshot, so to speak. Okay, Look at the letter that you wrote. Remember where you were mentally, emotionally when you wrote those letters. And now look at how you're feeling today. And the complete transformation, that's the best translation I can give here, the complete transformation that has taken place in your most recent letter, meaning the letter to which the Rebbe is responding now. Before we continue, I just <clears throat> want to make an observation, and that is, I will ask you if you remember well letter number 12, or letter number 5, or letter number 3. Okay, we probably don't even remember what those were let alone the details of it and the tone of it and how the person writing it must have felt. And we've only read 28 letters. I want to ask you, how many letters do you think the Rebbe had read between the time the Rebbe responded to this letter and the last letter that this person wrote? Probably a lot more than 28. And it wasn't like the Rebbe was only answering letters all day. The Rebbe had a lot going on, and a lot on his mind. And yet, and this blows me away if I stop to think about it, that Ebba's getting a letter from someone and remembering not only, oh yeah, this person has written to me before, but remembering the feelings and the tone and the emotional texture that their previous letters conveyed. To the extent that the Rebbe is able to say to the person and to point out to the person himself, hey, you may not have noticed this yet on your own, therefore I'm pointing it out to you, but stop a second and recall where you were at, excuse me, where you were at internally, where your mindset was, where your heart was when you were writing to me the last time, and juxtapose that with now. So the Rebbe is remembering and keeping up with this relationship to the extent where where the Rebbe is able to point out to somebody and and make observations to this person about... The, the the nuances and the and and the and the tone of their communication after having taken care of so many other things in the interim so that that itself to me is 
is wild. You know, it, it, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to remember, to keep track of conversations, to even remember, have I had this conversation with this person yet? Let alone to keep track of the, the emotions behind the conversation and to remember, how was this person feeling the last time we were in touch? And it wasn't even a face-to-face meeting. It wasn't even an actual conversation where I can look into your eyes and I can hear your voice and I can read your body language. It's just just letters on a paper. And to be able to retain and to remember and recall and refer back to where that person was on the last occasion that we were in touch, that itself to me is mind-blowing. Okay, but that's not even the point of the letter. Let's let's continue here. So the Rebbe says, surely you have... Let me take a sip of my water here. Surely you have a copy, your own copy of, of your old letters you wrote to me. Why don't you go take a look at those? You know, go visit the museum <laughs> and look at the exhibit of how your mood was a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, whenever it was the person started writing. And look how you're feeling today. How radically different your mood is today. In other words, whatever this problem was has obviously by this point become resolved. All right, that's, that's the point that I was making, that the issue that was so heavily weighing on this person's heart the last time they were in correspondence with the Rebbe, that issue has been resolved by now. So it should be Hashem's will that this should be, and how would you translate a moifes chaysech means like a, a sign. It means a very clear sign, a clear indicator for you. You should use this experience, like note this, <laughs> note to self, like file this away, and remember this, remember this moment right now, my friend, and refer back to it always from now on, says the Rebbe. That what? Do not get impressed. Don't get intimidated. Like, don't get overwhelmed. If something doesn't appear to be rectified immediately before your physical eyes. In other words... When you wrote to me last time, you were a wreck. And now you're writing to me, (laughs) and Baruch Hashem, you feel so much better. Completely better. Radically better. Your mood has become transformed. Please remember this, my dear, in the future. That the next time you're facing something that is overwhelming, please remember that you have felt overwhelmed in the past. And that whatever it was that was overwhelming you has resolved itself and you feel drastically, radically better. Please remember this and refer back to this at all times. Rather, sometimes you got to take a few extra days. That was generous there. That doesn't say 
wait a few years. <laughs> yeah, a few days? What's a few days? And let things play out just like they did this time. Things got better. And it seems from the Rebbe's way of referring to this narrative, it wasn't necessarily that the person did anything. It just things got better. Now, I, I can't say that for certain, but it, it, it seems what, that's what the Rebbe is saying, that just remember next time when things are overwhelming and they're not getting better immediately. So you know what? Write it out. You know what they say. There's an expression. Don't just do something. Sit there. <laughs> right? When the adrenaline rush comes, you know, when the fight or flight response comes, it says, don't just sit there, do something, right? Do something, do anything. That's panic. And the spiritual voice says the exact op opposite. Don't just do something, sit there, write it out. <laughs> Hashem's got this. So I know you feel like a wreck right now, but you don't have to feel like a wreck right now because this situation is going to work itself out and you're going to get to the other side of it. You're going to get to the other side of it. If Hashem brought you to it, Hashem will bring you through it. You're going to be okay, just like you were this time. Remember when you were writing to me how awful you felt? And now you're writing to me and you feel great about the same exact situation. So just remember this for next time you have a situation that's overwhelming you. <clears throat> okay. Um... And here the Rebbe elaborates. In addition to the fact that this is essential to spiritual health, meaning chill out, relax, give it time, or like the wisest of all men said, Gamze Yavar, this will this too will pass. Okay, so in addition to that, being good for spiritual health. Spiritual health, meaning like when we're all in that fight or flight, that's not good for our amuna, right? Because when we're afraid that we need to control things and we're, 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 we're upset that we feel that we have a lack of control, that means we're forgetting that Hashem is in control. So that's not good for spiritual health. It's not good for our, for our faith. So in addition to the fact that freaking out, the Rebbe doesn't use the word freaking out. I use the word freaking out. <laughs> the Rebbe called it pizera nefesh. But in addition to the fact that freaking out about something, instead of just relaxing and waiting and writing it out, in addition to the fact that that's not good for your spiritual health, meaning it's not good for your faith and your trust and your, and your reliance in Hashem, this tip, this trusty little tip that I'm giving you here, is also very important for physical health. Physically, you're going to be calmer. Your body is going to be more settled. It's going to be better for you in, in, in just biologically. Your system is going to run more smoothly because you're not going to be all worked up. And it's just such a simple tip. I mean, basically, if you could reduce it to a, an instruction, it's relax. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. I mean, if you want to reduce it to a tip, it's relax. But, but, but I have this problem. Relax. 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 But the Rebbe says so much more than relax. The Rebbe actually, <clears throat> and this is what I call Chabad. Chabad is Chochmah Bin Adas. 
Chokhmah bin Adas, not just about things that are normally the subject of intellect. Chokhmah bin Adas means the cognition, the uh, intellectual faculties of the human mind. But Chabad, specifically in, in, the, in, in the context of Chassidus Chabad, the school of mystical thought that was established by the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe. Chabad doesn't just mean using your cognition in regards to subjects that are typically uh, matters of intellect, but specifically using your intellect in a way that's sort of anomalous because you're using it in matters of faith. Normally we, we think of matters of faith and matters of intellect as being two separate worlds, by definition, almost inherently. And yet the idea of Chabad is to take matters of faith and to try to integrate them as much as possible into our thinking. So I think this is a wonderful illustration of Chabad because if you would say it in a language of faith, in a language of Amun Apshuta, the message would be, relax. Or if you want to say a a few more words, relax, Hashem's got it. Like it doesn't look like Hashem's got it, but Hashem's got it, so relax. That's the language of Amun Apshuta. But the language of, of Chabad is, hey, can I explain something to you logically? Okay, the conclusion we're going to come to is the same conclusion as Amun Apshuta, which is relaxed. Hashem's got this. But I want to actually say it in Oifen of Chabad in a way that actually logically appeals to your, your brain. And that is, yeah, I know you're freaking out right now. Do you remember last time you were freaking out? Yeah, you remember the last thing that really, really had you panicked? Yeah, okay. And it worked out. You're okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know why you're okay? Because Hashem's got this. So, let's extrapolate and turn this into a lesson for the future that next time something feels unresolvable and overwhelming, just say to yourself, you know, I've had this experience before <laughs> and it's going to be okay. Why is it going to be okay? Because Hashem is in charge. And I believe that. But in addition to believing that Hashem is in charge, I actually have some logical proof that things in the past that I felt overwhelmed by ended up working out fine, and I'm not overwhelmed anymore. Okay, fine, great. So let's keep applying that lesson. Uh, with blessings for success in all of the above and in your private matters. To me, that's possibly a hint now that I think of it that maybe the issue the person was worried about was a communal issue because the Rebbe says all of the above in the areas of the, of the above mentioned, Hanal, and in your private life. So perhaps, but who knows. Uh, and I await good news. I await good news. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just share something with you. That's, that's the letter, tiny little letter, but uh, <laughs> When you're dealing with Torah, nothing is tiny because uh, Torah is infinite. And even the smallest amount of information, just a few letters on a page, can contain condensed wisdom that is absolutely unlimited in its application. Every one of these letters, by the way, the truth is we could have turned into not just a 30-minute shear. It could have been a three-hour shear or a 300-hour shear, or we could have just learned one letter for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that. I'm not saying that um, to be hyperbolic. At, at any rate, uh, this is a short letter. I want to share just one thing with you, and then we'll uh, say goodnight.
Um, Rebbe's birthday is coming, as you know. This entire shir has been a hachana for the Rebbe's birthday. But uh, one of the things that learning the Igris does for us, and so much, so much of the feedback we've been receiving at 30letters30days.com has been people talking about clarity. They're, they're thanking us for the shir because it's given, given them such clarity, that the Rebbe's letters give such clarity. And I agree with that, that learning the Rebbe's letters really helps us to think in a clear way. And it organizes and systemizes our, our thought patterns so that instead of being reactive and panicked and, you know, like that I was saying, the Pizara Nefesh, where you can't settle down and you can't focus and you can't think straight, learning the Rebbe's Toyota, specifically the Rebbe's Toyota in, in the Igris, which are... Uh, written in a way to directly apply to real human issues that real human beings are going through, it really trains us to be able to see the heart of a matter, to get down to the essence of things, not to be distracted by superficiality or, or things that are really of, not really of import. It just, it, it gives us, gives us good vision. It gives us I mean, I use, this is the word I used earlier. I'll use it again. Clarity. Clarity. It's, it, that's what it is. It's clarity. So here's what I'll tell you. Um, there's, there's an expression. Ein simcha katoros There is no greater joy than removing doubt. That when you had been confused and you were unsure, sveikus, and then you experience clarity and certainty and you know what it is that you need to do, uh, that's simcha, that is great joy, the greatest joy. There's no simcha like such simcha. So where is that saying from? It's an interesting saying, and I looked into it actually recently, um, just recently, and, and I discovered... <clears throat> that the source is a Metsudis David. Metsudis David is a is a Pirushan Tanach. It's a Metsudis David on a posuk in Mishli. Mishli is uh, King Solomon's Proverbs, and specifically on Perik uh, Tesvav, chapter fifteen, posuk Lamed, verse thirty, which says Moere Me'erenayim means um, clarity of vision, but it doesn't mean physical sight, ain't a basar, fleshly eyes. It means vision, like a visionary, somebody who has clear goals and uh, sees the potential and knows where he's headed. So that's what it means. Clear vision, yisamach leiv, it gladdens the heart. Shmua teva tidashen and good news fattens the bone. <clears throat> so the Mitzudas David there on that Pasuk says that Ma'ere Nayim, clarity of vision, uh, means specifically in a Dover Hamasupok, something that was wrought with doubt, where you did not know the real answer or the truth. So when it becomes resolved and you do have clarity, he says that 
gladdens the heart. Ki ein simcha katoras That's where that's that's where that saying comes from. That there's no greater joy than removing doubt. When you had had lack of clarity and now you do have clarity, that's the greatest joy. And Shmua um, Teva, good news, is the literal translation. He says that that means chidushe teira. Shmua Teva, the good news, really means uh, novelties or um, innovative insights into Torah. So I really think that when we learn Igris, we get both of those things. We get the Me'eri Naimi Samach the joy of clarity, where things that had confused us become so clear and we know what we need to do. And also we get the Geshmak of good Chidushe Torah, really creative, original, innovative Torah teachings. Now I want to mention to you, there's a minig to say a posuk at the end of Shemayin Esra with the first and the last letter of your name. So like if your name would be spelled Shin Sof, so you'd say like, because it starts with a Shin and it ends with a Sof, and that's why I'm a night owl, because... Anyways, um, by the way, my friend Simon Jacobson told me that he, he could not find a posik that started with a samach and ended with a nun, and he told the Rebbe, and the Rebbe told him that it doesn't have to be a posik from Tanakh, it could be a uh, line from the Siddur. He told him in Kiddush Lavon, it says, Simon Teva Mazel Tev Yehelonu, Ulchol Yisrael, Amen. So it starts with a, with a samach and it ends with a nun. At any rate, we all have this uh, posik that represents, I guess, uh, something of who we are and our identity. Well, Chassidim have a custom of not only saying the posik that corresponds to the first and last letters of their own name, but also the first and last letters of their Rebbe's name. And the posik for the name Menachem which starts with an, uh, a mem and it ends with a mem, is Ma'er Naim Yisamach Lev Shmua Teva Tidash That there's no greater joy than having clarity when, when you had had doubt and enjoying novel, innovative Torah insights. Anyways. It's uh, been incredibly meaningful for me taking this journey with all of you. We have uh, tomorrow night's shear, and then we have the big Siyum, Yudolf Nissen, Fabrengen, and uh, then we're going to have to figure out what to do next. Good night. Have a great week.